Hello, welcome to episode 47 of the Therapy Tales podcast with me, Dawn Walton, human therapist, and... And... <laughs> I got stuck, who am I? <laughs> oh yeah, I'm a dog trainer, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and this is going to be a very doggy pop- podcast, this one, oh, I believe. Right. So I'm you probably to, should I'm do a, a proper introduction, Jess. I'm Jessica Probst, animal behaviorist, BSC, CFBA. <laughs> A-R-S-E. And... <laughs> <laughs> oh man we are you threw me when you told me you, I was about to waffle <laughs> well you the last podcast you started with um, in mid conversation that's fine I mean it is people are used to it yeah. they are used to it so we're off the back of um, two distinct different days that you've had we've had one Ooh, day where you weekend, did didn't we? the certification of handling skills for the handlers and then we did the German Shepherd workshop. German Shepherd. I say we, you did the German Shepherd workshop yesterday. I should probably pay you at some point. <laughs> say nothing, Dawn. <laughs> say like nothing. We're doing the stuff. <laughs> They're out the window in a kind of, uh huh, kind of way. Anyway. <laughs> Hilarious. Anyway, so, um, yeah, it was interesting. Uh, what did you think about the. So, German Shepherds as a s- specific workshop? The yes. reason that I did it was because I've got a lot of German Shepherds asking to come on the walks. However, historically, it doesn't work out so well for me because they tend to be stressy owners who then go, oh, my German Shepherd behaves on these walks, who then turn into people that go, I just let Jess deal with it and I'll just chat. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? And it's really frustrating for the rest of us on the walks. Um, <laughs> German Shepherds tend to like to grab other dogs' necks yeah, if they're not being worked, right? They're pretty full and on. They're big dogs, yeah, yeah. They're, they're scared, they're intimidating, but not to their owners. Their owners see them as puppies. Yeah. They're quite a unique breed, their owners. And I feel like I'm allowed to pick on them because I also have a shepherd. I've had lots of shepherds and shepherd crosses and so on. And they they are the king of dogs. They make you feel really special. They're su- like super loyal. I can't even... They're almost like classic dog, aren't they? Yeah. You know, if you were to... to... Yeah, Ren Tin Tin. Remember him? So he was like the, the saviour dog. Yeah, like an American programme with this German Shepherd that was like saving uh, everybody. Yeah? Yeah, I only remember the Lassie stuff. Yeah. So, Hollywood has made the Shepherd the, the dog. Mm. Powerful, protector, you know, your guard dog, saviour of children. But the reality is, they're a freaking pain in the neck unless you're working them. And yes. what does that mean for a pet dog to be worked? Like, what does that mean? And you know what, what clicked it for me was very recently when um, we had a real problem one come along and the owners worked really hard and then turned around and said to me, I didn't realize how much work it was to get to this bit. You know? right. and, and our first German Shepherd is uh, pretty easy going. Yes. But that's not what's normal. What's normal is what we, you and I see, right? And it's a huge problem, actually. A lot of owners come who've got a couple of dogs or have had previous dogs. Um, I'm thinking there's a particular one who's come along and has got a new puppy and has had rescue dogs before but never had a problem. And, and actually, I think it's harder for those people because they've not had to put the work in before and then they get a new dog and it doesn't behave the same way as the others. They have issues with it and they're just confused because they've never had to do it with the other dogs. Whereas if you've always had to do that with a dog, you have this expectation. So they're like almost starting from scratch like they've never had a dog before. So we've spoken before about you know, a higher level of intelligence. So the less docile, the more rowdy, the more, um, the more they need. Yeah, so the more working, working dogs, like the proper working dog breeds, they need 
to be tasked with a job, otherwise that energy gets diverted into really damaging And behavior. to be fair, if somebody says to me what breed to get, I can't think of one that's not a working dog because we've all historic, historically we've given them all a job. And so occasionally you're going to get, you know, so say the golden retriever, as we spoke about before, that's like yeah. the family pet. I meet a lot of them that are like, don't fit that narrative. Like right. they are feisty resource guarders. Like you wouldn't want it near kids. Right. Um, and obviously my job's going to send me the ones that are the worst. I'm not going to see a lot of the good ones. But I, I know what they're bred for. When I say good, you know, I've got that in air quotes, you know, good ones. The ones that are typical, like the kids can pull its tail and it's not going to react. Yeah. I don't see those dogs. I see the ones that are reacting. Um, and so you've got normal and then you've got without, out with that. So I would say, you know, your golden retriever is supposed to be bred for docile behaviours, not too intel. that's terrible, not too needing uh, yeah. extra mental stimulation. Yeah. But that isn't um, your German Shepherd. So yes. your German Shepherd is going to be more likely to be. So the ones that are docile and don't need that level are, are minimal. Like yeah, that's the, the exception. Unusual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So tell me what you notice about German Shepherd owners. Um, I think... You get to be bad cop in this situation now. It is. <laughs> they tend to be more likely to be male. Yeah. They tend to be uh, more likely to be uh, have egos and be fairly elite. The dog seems to be um, a status thing rather than... For baby mummy and that's, kind of a, that's most breeds to me. I think people get them because they like the look of them and how they're going to make them feel. Yeah. As well. So, but the you know, so therefore that people associate a shepherd with making you feel powerful. Powerful. Um, you know, you've got a dog that is intensely loyal. Your assumption is you've got this absolutely doting loyalty. And, and the interesting thing is that if you said that they would to them, they would say, absolutely not. I got this dog because they're loyal, they're trainable and all this, right? But if I said to them, why didn't you get a Dachshund, which displays exactly the same traits? Yeah. And to be perfectly honest, uh, it's a smaller version to me. You know, they're very loyal. Yeah. They're also really uh, alert yeah. and so on. So... Um, and likely to get anxious and, and at the wrong home. Yeah. They would say, well, I don't want a small dog because, yeah. you know, or a poodle or something. People people were like, I don't, you know, I know this. So, yeah. You know, people we say. We small dogs as yappy little dogs. Yeah, but people say, well, I wouldn't want to look like a, you know, I can't even say that nowadays, can you? <laughs> I'm like trying to be politically correct, but, you know, a big man walking a small little fluffy yes. dog looks not good. Yes. Right? But we don't care now. Like nobody cares. You, no, can walk a small, you can walk any kind of dog. It's not um, not really an issue. No. But if you said to them, "Why didn't you get that?" they would make a face. I've yeah. asked them that before. Plus, you know, we know that you feel safer out walking Tristan than you would feel out walking your Daxies, right? So you're walking out late at night, and you know there's been reports of attacks in the area. You're going to feel better walking Tristan, your shepherd, than you are, or your Marley, than you well, are. Well, there's a wee bit different there. But there is so, an element of it. So there is that, that I've got a safety with my dog as well. There's a wee bit different there, because I've had shepherds in the past that I wouldn't feel they would do what Tristan does, but this then is, I haven't trained them to that level either. Plus, that's you. But as a, right. a generic you would be... Oh, I see what you mean. So yeah. um, you so mean like your average person's going to feel safer. So, But that suggests that they don't feel 
safe without the dog. And what did I say yesterday on the course? Insecure owners, insecure dogs. Yes. That's a recipe for disaster, right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, the female owners of these dogs are going to feel safer with this dog. Sure. And we've had um, people on the walks before where the male was like, I want this type of dog because I want my partner to be safe when she's out walking. Which is absolutely fair, right? Yes. But that's a different thing from a cuddle on the sofa dog. And they want both. They want them to be both, yes. right? They, and that's where the problem comes. Because So what I see when I go up to a day with the shepherds is, unlike when we go to days where there's all sorts of other dogs, you have dogs that are lunging and barking and highly on edge. They are looking outwards, all of these all of these um, shepherds are looking, unless they've been working with you already, are looking outwards, scanning, going for everybody that walks past. If another one of them comes too closely, they're barking at it and lunging for uh, it. My surprise is always that um, the excuses that they they make. So and so this is the the words that we tell ourselves, right? So it's it's okay. He's friendly, even though he's lunging and barking. And you know, I can read body language. Um, I'm listening to the sound of the bark. Is it is it a, a sort of a glutteral bark, which means business, or is it more like a, a mouthy bark, which is just you know. I'm giving it yee-haw so that you stay away. Sorry. Bless you. Didn't you come fine. Um, so there's, there's, there's body language that I can kind of go, I'm okay to approach that dog. Yes. You so know, when you see... I'm 99% safe. But your average person doesn't... I still don't like having a dog barking in my face when, when I haven't walked past it. Yeah. And they're big dogs. Like they shepherds are. are big dogs. Yeah. And they look like a wolf. It's the nearest thing to a wolf, apart from a, a wolf dog um, or, or a husky shepherd yep. that you're going to come across. So... Um, by their nature, they are intimidating, and they're natural uh, guarders. That, that's the thing I think that sets me apart from an owner um, of a shepherd, where I am like, this is natural behaviour. We have to fight really hard. When I say fight, what I mean is work yeah. really hard to counter the natural behaviour of an anxious guard dog. Yes. And they're not doing that. They're leaving the dog to do no, its thing. They're not seeing it as guarding. So they will allow their dog to go say hi to all the other dogs to try and stop them barking. Yeah. So they'll go, oh, it, it's barking because it wants to meet the other dog. Well, let's just go up and meet the other dog. Reinforcing the barking because yeah. it's getting to... Yeah. yeah. And, and really, only other... Um, shepherds or big dogs would, would allow another dog to approach like that. If you had a small fluffy dog, you certainly wouldn't be like, yeah, yeah, bring that big barking shepherd over here. Yeah, yeah. And so one of the things I said in the workshop yesterday was, um, you know, the, in the eyes of the law, you can report someone for having an intimidating dog and a dog standing, a big dog standing, staring at me, barking is intimidating. Yes. Right? So we have to um, give the owners some awareness of what other people are seeing yes. that perspective of just because I think it's a cuddle monster and I see it as a giant puppy doesn't mean that guy over there is going to see it like that and it was really good to have some of your past clients who've worked with you for a long time who've had their dogs at the same place the, the contrast for me was fascinating good you know? for them as well yeah and it's amazing for them so to have somebody sat there with their dog just lying on the ground calmly looking up at them waiting for a cue to what to do yeah and then surrounded by all these lunging barking ones that are looking outwards and to go gosh i remember i was there day one and then for those new people to go this is where you can get to and this is what you want this yes. is what we mean when we want the dog to be checking in but with they all you. want it now they all want it now and it didn't happen now. And so what I'm seeing is um, 
tiny little things from the owners, like, you know, a little bit of annoyance, a little bit of uh, just behave, do you know, that kind of... Oh, yeah. As if you can have it with your click of your fingers, right? Yeah. As if somehow the dog's going to go, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll be you. And it's not really about that, is it? You know, it's situation, it's... Um, and then there's the embarrassment the of, you know, my dog's barking and I can't seem to control reflection it. Reflection of me, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, all that sort of stuff. You know, we, we feel dogs are a reflection of us, like our kids are a reflection of us. And... It was less stressful for me because... Yes, there was a couple of dogs that were been there done it. That was great. So, you know, if you listen to me, it does work. But also, I feel like now there's less pressure on me to, to show the owners a big change. I, I know that we'll have it anyway. I know we'll yeah. get the dogs off lead and we'll have this. But I don't need to... There's always a pressure on trainers to prove that they, their thing works. Yes. And I guess by having the other dogs there, it's like, this this does work. Yeah. But it's not going to work for everybody because not everybody's going to put the, the work in that that owner has put in. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, she has said to me, this has been a lot of work. It has, yeah. But, you know, she's not going to do it anytime soon again. Yeah. Because they do, well, some of them do require, most of them do require quite a bit. So um, driving that point home is just reiterating over and over again how much you need to repeat behaviours, put your dog in different situations, stop yanking it around on that bloody lead. You're causing lead frustration. Yeah. So one of the trainers in America that I was following, as I said to you earlier, without the podcast, which is why I said let's do a podcast. <laughs> as usual. Uh, yeah. So I was watching, so this whole debate that sparked off with the positive, um, so let me just backtrack a little. Um, there's a a famous writer, alienanddogs.com, um, and she's like hugely positive, only force free, whatever you call it. And she'd written a really good article. Um, I think it was an article about, um, so I don't use them, prong collars, but she'd written an article about the maths of it. And so I was uh, curious as the, the maths and the physics of, of the pressure. And so she did obviously a lot of research and she's spoken to people about um, the, the por forces and pressures applied with the prong collar versus a, a normal collar. Uh, because the idea being that, you know, a prong collar users will say that the, the pressure is distributed yes. rather than on one place in the neck. So a prong collar is? Sorry. Um, it's like a, a check chain. So it's a chain. Okay. But the links have got two little fork type protrusions that go in the neck every couple of inches all the way around. Right. Right. So it kind of looks barbaric. People that use them are like super into them because of... I mean, they, they give you power. So it's like me and my head collars, right? It gives you yeah. power. Um but it's uncomfortable. That's why the dog's not doing it, yeah? And for me, the, the, the reason I like the head collar use, this is not very well known. Um, I do believe that I invented the slip lead, which I know is really egotistical, but I've not seen anybody use it for as long. And whenever they started using it, it came from Scotland. Yeah. I, I, I made it one day. I went, I've seen the, the Gen Cons, a similar thing, and I played with it and I went, okay, this is working this way. This was like a lot, like a long time ago. Uh, 2003. So I played with that and one of the reasons that I like the idea of the head collar is that there are meridian lines on the face which when pressed, you know like we do it when we've got sinus problems yep. up above the eyebrows and you have this, it's really funny because when I was getting my eyebrows tattooed she said to me, you'll sneeze at this point and we're going, you start yeah, there yeah. and you end up at the, the front part and she went, everyone sneezes and I, I was laughing because I, I know that's a trigger point, right? Yeah. There are trigger points in the face of the dog which are calming Okay. and which is one of the reasons well, or maybe it's a, a selectively designed, whatever. Um, mother dogs take her, their mouths over the young puppies okay. and dominant ones will take their mouths over the, the sub subordinate to kind of calm them. Yeah. Much in the same way where an adult might take a child's arm with their hand and say, calm, that's yeah, enough. Yeah. So we're very handsy. Dogs are mouthy, right? Yeah. 
So there are these lines, these trigger points on the muzzle, and the the head collar acts on that. Yeah. But only when there's strain being put against it, right? It's not a constant pressure, is it? It's not a constant pressure. And the prong shouldn't be used as a constant pressure either. So just no. again, I've never used a prong. I have taken it off. I had an argument with a, <laughs> had an argument with a prong once because I couldn't get it off the dog. But um, I've, never, I've never chosen to use one. Um, I am, however, aware that people with disabilities and so on can't have a... It's a huge argument, right? Because... You know, I've got a, a, a trainer that's a close friend who uses them and, and who would use them on lots of different types of dogs. For me, because my start is, and we'll get to this, because this is part of the podcast today, everyone comes from a different angle yep. to where they're at. And my, my start was biochemistry. So I refer naturally back to what is the chemistry of the individual at that time. If we're stuck in a stress negative chemistry for a long time, that's going to have a, a, an effect on the immune system and the well-being of the dog yep. and the dog's overall longevity. So I want to get away from negative chemistry and I uh, believe that the prong collar is not going to be useful for promoting positive chemistry. So yeah. that's where my mind comes from. Regardless of the discomfort part, it's the chemistry, right? Yep. Discomfort part's the ethical bit. Um, so that's the like, you know, what's, what's the ethics? If you could only walk that dog on a prong that's so strong and so powerful, so we'd rather not walk it and keep it inside. The ethics would be the question of, is it better to have it on a walk on a prong or is it better not to use the prong and keep it inside? So yep. Something like that. So it's always a question rather than just going, don't use this because. Yeah. So we've got to consider the individual. But as I say, I managed to do 20 years without using a prong. So, but then I don't want to be the people that are like, don't use e-collars because, <laughs> yeah, 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 do you know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. Because I mean, maybe somebody will come along with something that tells me, oh, well, that makes sense. Anyway, where, did I, where was that coming from? Uh, famous person wrote a paper wrote an article based yeah, on so it. Yeah, so a well-known dog trainer had written this. Yeah, so naturally read this and went, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Cool, cool, cool. And there's another article that caught my eye on the website and it was, um, you know, about force-free. And she described it as being a spectrum. So she had the a spectrum of colours. She had um, green in the middle of the colours and it fades out to different colours. And she said, this green doesn't exist because you can't see where it starts and ends. Right. So one of my arguments that I have used for force free is um, doesn't exist because you can't be force free. The moment we put a lead on the dog or we stop it from doing something, even withholding food, that's against what the dog wants, right? Yeah. And so she described it as a spectrum, which doesn't, it's a, an aim rather. It's a, it totally made sense to me and just think it's the wording. So we've discussed in the previous podcast how important words are. Yeah. So you imagine back in the 80s when they first came up with um, the term for shock collar. Imagine that they called it a surprise collar. <laughs> Do you think we'd have the same debate about... Nudge collar. Interrupt collar. Can you yeah. imagine we had the same debate about this? How yeah, terrible totally it was. Because yeah. people equate shock to the type exactly. of therapy we used to do with uh, yeah. mental health patients, right? Yeah. Hold them down and, and let's see if we can change the brain by electrocution or yeah. something. It's, it's horrific. So the wording immediately brings to mind, you know, danger, you know, stay awake. And... Um, so the wording of positive only and forestry is especially for people who are scientific because positive is not well-being and kindness positive yes. is maths it's addition yeah. so immediately it puts people's backs up because it's you know that's not how it was intended to use and yeah. now it's become uh, synonymous with kindness and sort of softness and permissiveness yeah. so i like the article but I would still argue that the words are wrong. Yeah. So I've termed, coined this new term, um, as positive as possible. APAP. APAP. 
<laughs> so um, I do believe that I use loads of repositive reinforcement and very, very little correction, as yeah. we know by legs. <laughs> I hardly ever correct my dogs. In fact, only very recently have I started to say to her no when she's been peeing, because she still pees on puppy pads. If they're there, she'll pee on it. So I recently went, do you know what? I'm going to actually start saying no to this dog. She's a year old. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? So, and, and also, we've discussed this before, you know, my dogs get to choose where they want to live. So if my dogs like someone else and they start having them overnight and they want to stay there, they get to do that, you know. Um, it's pretty, pretty force-free, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I don't know many trainers who, who allow that to happen. Yeah. So um, I like the idea of it being on a spectrum. I like the idea, like, you wouldn't question how vegan are you if you were a vegan. Yeah. It's, it's the, the aim. The aim is to be... As yep. positive as only as possible. Sorry, as only as possible as possible, and um, as force free as possible. Yes. I can totally live with that. I yep. can live with the fact that I don't force dogs to do stuff. But if a dog is trying to get at me, I'm going to force it to stay away from me, right? Because yep. that's what I deal with. I deal with aggressive dogs. So I think that the wording is super important. I don't know why we got to this point. Where did we start? Uh, we were on shepherds, and we were on. I feel like I'm ranting at you. <laughs> we were going to get to the point of lead, um, lead on, lead off. Um, I know we were intending to get to that point. We did start with the shepherd lead on, and the lead shepherd off. Day. Sorry, where I was off going with it was, um, yeah, the, the, the trainer. So we've got two camps, right? We've got the, the positive only force free on the left, and we've got the um, sort of Caesar Milan types. Let's, do you know what that means? Yes, Caesar I know. Milan types. So there's this guy, I can't remember his name. Um, he's not a really a dog trainer. He's uh, now a dog trainer. He's a famous person. Television shows and everything. He's, sorry, Caesar Milan. But this guy is very similar to Caesar Milan that I'm talking about. And he, um, so Robert Cabral came, did some, you're standing on all this stuff. Robert Cabral had him on his show. And he is like, it was Rob that sent me it actually. Hi, Rob. And, um, I feel like he's like the furthest away from, from positive only forestry, right? Okay. He's uh, a carpenter. He's starting to get a bit of a reputation for taking in mastiffs. So um, they're called molossers, the, the sort of thing about the gladiator dog, like huge muscly beasties. Now the pit bull bites, he says, have gone down in America and to be replaced by the bigger breed type. Right, okay. So we're a bit behind America. So our XL bully thing just started, you know, five years ago here. So the next thing will be the bigger version. So we'll have these molossers over here. So your mastiffs, your canny corsos, your dog de Bordeaux, they're all versions of the, the same idea. And we, we've kind of got it a little bit. We've got a lot of people are wanting these livestock guardians, big breeds, Caucasian yep. shepherds. And they're powerful, right? They're big and scary. So like shepherds on steroids. Yep. And... Um, this guy had a natural inclination to deal with them. So he has got a, a fantastic record of rehoming them with zero bites after they've come into him with aggression. So he charges a lot of money for taking in cases of dog bites to, to change them. He does um, human aggression and then he also offers lifetime living with him. So if you put your dog to him and you don't want it back, you know, you yeah. can pay for the lifetime of the dog with him, which is cool. So um, he describes the way he is with them. So, for example, one of them came out of the car and it was a bully dog. Uh, sorry, a, a, an actual bully, not a yes. XL bully. A bit of a bully and um, he kneed it in the chest, right? He talked about kneeing it. And I was like, oof, that's like, could you imagine saying that to a horse-free trainer? They would like yeah. having, a, having kittens, right? Yeah. And... Um, he went, that was it. From then on, it just respected me. You know, he's had broken hands and all sorts. And he's like as far away from yeah. scientific forestry principles as you can get. Yeah. But 
that, they can't deny what he does because yep. he's done this for like 30 years right yep. so he's a dog trainer he understands dog he lives with these dogs I mean I can't think of many people who could live with a bunch of giant molossa breeds and yep. have the success that he's had he's doing something right yes and yet he's the complete opposite spectrum so there is a place for these people but he can't teach for shit right so he's talking and he's talking about some stuff that I was like yeah no that's not how it works no so um, he, one of the things he said was um, about restraining a dog he doesn't know why that dogs become aggressive on the lead it just kind of happens yes that's a very common thing, especially with those leash laws in America where the dogs are leashed all the time. Yes, and we see um, quite a lot of people on the walk say they're fine off lead, yeah. but they're not very good on lead. Yeah. So why is that? So that happens because of frustration and energy doesn't know where to go. So you, you saw yesterday at the walk, um, at the shepherds get together, the workshop, sorry, um, young puppy wanting to say hi to, to other dogs. And what's the owner doing? following it around as it goes and says hi so to everybody. So the puppy wants to go and say hi and the lead is tight, but the lead's not tight by itself. No. The frustration um, building with the puppy about getting to the dog is because of the person at the end of the lead, right? Because they're the ones making the choice to yep. hold that tension and not do anything with it, just yep. give to the tension. So we're constantly giving to that. I actually said to someone in the park today, because he's got a staff, he's, come, he's walked with me for a long time, I think his dog's just over a year now, and um, he said... He thinks he's done really well with the socialising and getting it right because Staffies have got a reputation of not being so friendly with other dogs. Okay. Super nice with, with people and their own kind, but um, not so nice with other dogs. And he has done really well. His dogs uh, really, really... And I said, you know, you, you let it off lead really early. You allowed it to experience life and have, you know, the ups and downs of all the different types of dogs that you meet yep. really early. And so we started talking about leash aggression and um, I told him, you know, how we get uh, fighting dogs. Do you know how we get fighting dogs? No. It's dead easy to make a fighting dog. What they do is pretty horrific, but what they do is they um, take young puppies of the fighting kind, so dogs that are naturally predisposed to enjoy a wee bit of a hustle bustle, which yep. means that they get a dopamine release from doing that as a job because we selectively bred them for it. Yep. Um, and they introduce them on lead, tight lead, but they don't let them connect. So keep okay. them maybe a couple of feet apart. And you do that for a few months. And when they reach puberty, and they started to get frustrated and barking and lunging at each other. You don't have to do much. You let that lead go. So right. you do this for months and months. Don't let them get to, don't let them get to, don't let them get to. And you release them. And dogs, as we discussed before, don't use their hands like humans do. They use their mouths. Oh. Yep. But they've also then got adrenaline, yep. negative chemistry in the body, built up yep. over, over months of frustration. Let that go. And they go, I'm going to resort to using my mouth. And then they go, well, that was really good fun. I had a really, yeah, really great yeah. release of this energy that's been pent up for so long. And I got to use my mouth. And I naturally uh, got a high pain threshold, so I didn't feel anything. That was amazing. Um, and that is horrific for us to watch, but for them, it's like great fun. Yeah. They enjoy it. Yeah. And they do it again and again. And the humans go, right, let's see which one wins. And the dog's just like, yeah, I'm just I'm having a great time here. This is how I get my energy gone. Yeah. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. So you repeat that in the park. So you take a, a young dog and you go, I'm scared to let it off. I'm scared it won't come back to me. But I know I have to socialize it. So what yeah. I'm going to do is I'm going to follow it to the other dog. Is your dog friendly? Oh, cool. I'm going to let my dog see it on the end of this lead as if it was a metal detector. Yes. I'm going to let it pull me to this other dog. And it's going to get to meet the dog and have a wee play on the lead because I'm too scared to let it off. 
and you're not realizing that what you're doing is teaching the dog that you'll give to his pressure yep. and you're not realizing that the day that the owner says no you can't meet my dog because my dog's got reactivity that you go okay that's fine I'll just bring my dog away but you're pulling it away from what it wants to get to dopamine I want to play. That's what yep. I normally do. And you stop him from going there. So he then goes, oh, I want to get there. I'm going to bark because I'm getting frustrated. And it just has to happen once. And then we start with this pattern of bark, 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 woof, woof, woof. And then people have a reaction to that. Oh, the dog's barking. This is scary. And the owner goes, my heart rate's going up. Yeah. No, no, stop it. No. Yeah. Why has my owner changed? What, what's my owner doing? Why yeah. is my owner stressed out? Maybe I should bark more because this is really scary and stressful. Yeah, yeah. So we go from fun barking to anxious barking very quickly. And that's why the, um, the opportunity that people get on the educational walks is so valuable as well, because it's a place to learn by doing, not by just doing the theory. Yeah. So you get a chance to see what your dog is like off the lead yeah. in a safe environment. It gets to learn manners and things like that. Yeah. So, but there are very few, you know, if people are listening all over, they're going to struggle to find an environment where they can do what you just described safely. Yeah. So there's lots of places to take puppies. So uh, I was, the local dog, uh, enclosed dog park that you pay to go and walk your dogs around. I was yeah. doing puppy classes there and then the owner started doing her own classes. Now she's not trained in, in dog, but yeah. she's um, gone, I can make some money here. Um, that's fine in principle. Yes. But when you've got big German Shepherd puppies playing with small puppies that are like, I'm a bit overwhelmed and no one's going, that's not appropriate. Yeah. And I so, want you to think about kindergarten now. So if we had kids that were super confident, have brothers and sisters, and you've got kids that are not so confident being overwhelmed by the big kids, somebody would get involved that was an adult to say, yep. that's not how we do things. Yep. Imagine a kindergarten run by children. Yep. So what, people that stand what there do people do then? So people who can't make an educational walk with you and have that right environment, people all over the world, what do they do? How do they So what go? would I do if I couldn't socialise yep. my dog in the situation that I socialise my dogs in um, and I had to be on lead, uh, I would use a longer line. Yep. I would not allow my dogs to play with other dogs. Right. I would be the most important thing in that dog's life. Not playing with other dogs will not kill your dog. So when you say use a longer line, yeah. like an extension lead? No, no. Okay. Oh my God. Are you doing that on purpose? Yeah. You're playing devil's advocate here? Yeah, because it's a podcast and people are listening. I think my heartbeat just skipped. <laughs> <laughs> Why? What's the problem with the extension lead? You just said a longer line, right? Doesn't it allow them to do a longer line and then you can bring them back when you need to bring them back? A skillful trainer could use an extension lead. Okay. Just like a skillful trainer can use an e-collar. Yeah, okay. Your average person can't even use a normal long line, never mind an extension the, Do you go to a pet shop and get a normal long line? Yeah, you can, yeah. Oh, or okay. Amazon. Okay. Or a horse store, because that's even better. Yeah. Thick, okay. Thicker webbing. So, yeah, five metres of long line. My dog would be on that. And, um, I would and, and how does that, how is that different from being on a normal lead and or letting your dog just run wild? So letting run wild means that um, you know when you're when you've got a, a puppy, um, they're naturally going to be inclined to, to be inquisitive and curious, like a toddler, right? We can't explain to a puppy that not all dogs want to say hi to you yep. because puppies like, yay, the world, everybody loves me, and there's a lot of dangers out there for yep. children and for yeah. So we teach kids stranger danger, don't we? Like it's not appropriate to do yeah, this. It's usually not strangers that are dangerous. That's the problem. But yes, we do. 
Um, sorry if that's triggering for everybody. <laughs> Thanks, Don. Um, so, yeah, we... They're only listening to the dog stuff. So know, like, I've lost all my audience <laughs> ages ago. So, um, yeah, we, um, we encourage kids that we, they shouldn't talk to strangers. They shouldn't, you know, just run over to random kids and play with them. But what yep. we do is we set up play dates. Yes. So for appropriate. And we probably wouldn't have a three-year-old playing with a nine-year-old, right? We would do similar ages, yep. similar sizes, similar temperaments. And unfortunately, we don't have that luxury. We tend to go to the park. Your average person I'm talking about, I do. I've got, um, you know, the luxury of picking dogs that are going to be appropriate. So I'm raising a, a tiny little Daxie just now, like smaller than, than Daxie that I raised last year, um, a little proper miniature. And I'm pretty nervous about her getting run over by bigger dogs. So I'm, I'm kind of being strategic when I put her down. And, and she's still at the age where she's quite happy to... And this cold weather is really interesting because in the summer, the Daxies are much more active. And she would have walked the whole way today. Yeah. But in the winter, it's like, I'll run a wee bit and then I just won't go back in your coat, which is quite nice. I'm taking advantage of the prolonged babiness. Um, so strategically letting her play when it's appropriate. Like, there's a Great Dane that comes on the walk. I'm not going to have her running around with a Great Dane because he no. can't see her and his paw on her back would be an injury, right? So um, he's, he's friendly enough for her to meet, but, you know, not on the ground. So uh, long line means that the dog is, is as free as possible but not free enough to go running over to the dog that I have no idea. Yeah, that's you can just stand on the line. Yeah, I can stand on the line or, or bring it in if I need to. Um, and the shorter lead is going to frustrate the dog because they're going to have pressures very quickly. Whereas yeah. there's pre- they've got you know a what, five meter um, circumference around me with a longer line. They're not going to learn the go away, come back kind of sense that you get them to do on a long line, right? You can you can, yeah, you can train and encourage up. them to come back because you're the shiny thing. Yes. But on a on a lead, it's really hard to do that exercise where you kind of back off from your dog and get them to come to you. It's not impossible, but it's harder, and yeah. certainly it builds distance when we've got um, a longer space to do it in. Yep. Do you want to explain what you mean by shiny thing? Well, one of the things that... that Don has coined this term. As long as, as, as well as, as long as, no, as along with, forgive my head, along with kitchen training. Kitchen Another training. one of Don's coined terms. So it's really common with cats. That they're very easily distracted by shiny things. We know cats are distracted by shiny things. In fact, we have little laser pointers and they chase the shiny thing. You know, so it's a, it's a really common thing. And you can then relate it to kids with ADHD or adults who are finding it hard to focus on things. You know, we do, ooh, look a shiny thing. And actually, it's one of the common methodologies I teach people when they're triggered which is the best way to get out of a negative emotional state is with a positive distract emotional yourself. state. Distract yourself. Distraction is... I, I kind of... Um, action, not distraction, I came up with with a client the other day. Very like, good. Action, not distraction. So, um, and, and actually the best way is to go shiny thing. Something that is more distracting than the thing that you're currently occupied with. So in a park, when your dog's doing its thing, there's lots of shiny things. So it'll go and sniff another dog, it'll chase a, a rabbit, blowing, a leaf yeah. blowing. There's loads of shiny things. And so if you're trying to get your dog to come back to you, when it's engaged in a shiny thing activity, it's not going to work because it's like, okay, I can come to you who's going no and shouting at me, or yeah. I can carry on with my shiny thing. I'm going to do the shiny thing. And more than that, you just taught your dog to ignore you, right? You have, and there's kind of a pattern, and then, you know, they, and it, depending on their states, if they're in a kind of stressed, heightened, anxious state, whatever, they're not even going to have any awareness, they're just going to be distracted. So if you want to get your dog back, you need to distract your dog better 
than the distraction they're focused on, which is you need to be more shiny than the shiny thing. So it's learning and teaching your dog that you're a super shiny thing. So your enthusiasm when you call them back, the thing they get when they come back to you, becomes automatic eventually if you repeat it enough so that you're more of a shiny thing. So you can have them on a long line, they can be sniffing and enjoying themselves, but shiny thing makes a noise and they come running back to you and go, what, what we got? Yeah. And, and you want to get that to a point where they're not even making a choice, it's just an automatic switch in their brain. So, that goes um, I am a shiny thing. You are a shiny thing, absolutely. By, by, um, by proxy. So if you have shiny things, so food, toys, yep. your affection, uh, praise, touch, blah, blah, blah. Um, if you have these things and don't give them freely, you become, by proxy, the shiny thing itself. Because you're the giver of the shiny thing. Absolutely. So legs is a good example of this, right? <laughs> so we, we know, because we've spoken about it a couple of times, we're trying to get legs a little bit more trained and a little bit more, and she's a bit wild. Not so much trained, just, um, I think her training's good. Like, she knows a lot of stuff. Sorry. But when she's that on one? free time... <laughs> As not with so you guys were talking about this other day, right? And I need to I need to correct this because you were like, "All right, Jane can take her for a week and give Jess a break." Jess isn't actually. I didn't say give Jess a break. Okay, that's how I took it. I was yes, offended. I know, I know, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> the, so, the, the idea was that um, we talked about when you do the stuff in the park, everybody's getting all the attention, and quite often you use um, Tristan or Toosie as demo dogs, and they are brilliant demo dogs, but. Quite often, Legs is running around between everybody. Boing, boing. Boing, 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 asking for food and getting food and stuff like that. So it was how do we get Legs the time that Toosie and Tristan have had to be that kind of level of dog. That was the idea. Yeah. And so the other day I was doing food with, with Legs and trying to do, you know, torn, not a dog owner, not a very good dog trainer, trying to help Legs doing the same thing as you had your group of, of owners doing. And legs is like boing, boing, boing. That's the first thing, you know, trying to get to walk by my leg with a treat, doing all the things that you say. She's like, boing, 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 give me the food, give me the food, give me the food. <laughs> and then as soon as the food runs out, or if you wait too long to give her the food, she's like, oh, you're not shiny anymore. I'll go Bye. back to Jess. <laughs> Bye. And she's gone. And, and like repeatedly, and it was like, even with the stick or with a toy or something, Revert if you're to. like, you know, sit, wait. And then, and she's like, Okay, I'm bored now. Go to go to another shiny she thing. She's like the epitome of the ADHD child. Yes, yeah, she really is. So she will. So it's really hard to do stuff with her because it's like if you don't stay shiny for long enough, she'll go find the other shiny thing. Yes. And so she's a really good example of and that. I wrote about this a little bit today. I don't know if you saw it, or maybe it's not out yet. I, yeah, I did see something with the, the legs thing in it. I sometimes schedule posts. So I, remember, I don't remember when they out. But, it was um, really hard because you were talking legs and legs and her legs and it got really confusing at one point even though you're using capital L for her <laughs> legs is legs legs is legs so that's your fault you wanted to call her I know legs. it's my fault I take full responsibility um, Colin today Colin's little word of the day <laughs> was we should call her Viagra because she's always up <laughs> okay uh, yep and yep. may suffer from performance anxiety sometimes as well yeah okay <laughs> so um yeah, I wrote a little bit about this this thing today because I've I've exclusively trained her with food, mm -hmm. and she's so food driven. So I have changed this last week, and this morning I gave her loads of food. Like right. she's pooping for Britain just now. Okay, and it's really not changed her habit. She was still okay. at Colin, so I've told Colin to not bring food with him. Yes, yeah. she can get into his pouch, and he, right. she's reinforced intermittently, even though he's not meaning to feed her. No, nope. she's reinforcing herself. By oh yeah, stealing. she's a little tight. Yeah, yeah, and so. 
it's interesting for me, and I'll have to video this for you, because Ashley will also tell you, when I'm not walking with the group, when it's just me, it's totally fine. No right. jumping, no, a little bit of stress jumping, that's what she does when she's, you know, and if she's getting chased by a bigger dog or, you know, she's a bit like, come back to me and jump or can I get yeah. up high? And um, I don't know if I've created that by allowing that, that height thing um, when she was younger, like maybe protecting yeah, I her think, or something. Yeah, I think it, it's, there's probably lots of reasons. Some just of it is just the nature of legs, the dogs, and, and yeah, yeah. you know, unlike all your other dogs, all your other dogs have gone, stayed places, and and have, have, she's always been with you. You know, she's had the odd trip out for a couple of days and stuff, but you know, the other dogs are gone elsewhere, a bit had cooler, aren't they? and stuff. Yeah. So and then also, I've treated her like a Daxi, and she she just she's not. You know, she's, she's starting to show a lot of um, traits of of sight hounds. So um, just if, in case you're listening, she's like 11% whippet, and but she's really behaving like a whippet, yeah. right? So she yeah, jumps yeah. and she's um, when she's loose now, she runs these circles. Yeah, like it's not Daxy, you know. She's she runs these, yeah, so she's 75% Daxy, but she's genetically much more whippet. Looks like a whippet, acts like a whippet, and she can reach places where Daxes just can't, and she takes full advantage of that. <laughs> Absolutely. And I haven't done a lot of correction stuff with her because I was trying to be as positive as possible. Um, and that she was actually caught by accident on my, I had this thing on my keys that was like this anchor thing and she ripped under her um, oxter, she, she ripped that as a puppy, well, what, she five or six months because she was jumping, jumping at me and you'd think, you know, she screamed and hurt herself you'd yep. think that would stop her, no nope. <laughs> carried on straight away yep. so um, ignoring it does not work 100%, we've all ignored it We've also corrected, yep. and you know, I think she to, to properly get this out of her, she'd need a hiding by somebody else. She backs and off, she'd be so needing to live with somebody else because she knows that you know. If you grab her nose and push her down when she jumps, she knows, that's she knows how to yeah, avoid yeah, that totally. now. So if you go to grab her nose, she just she yeah. jumps and then she just runs away. She would away. need somebody super strict. Yeah. To, and you know that's not going to happen. So no. I think she's adorable. She is. <laughs> I love legs. Um, I have used the collar to interrupt her. Yeah. Uh, obviously low level, and she does not give a shit. She's not, you know, and I'm not prepared to go to that level where she's terrified of me. No. Um, because she's an insecure dog already, I'm just like, she's a year old, let's just keep going with her. Yeah. And, you know, it's not that bad a behavior that I need to do something serious about it. Um, and she doesn't do it when I'm on my own. Yeah. Like, literally does not jump on me unless okay. I ask her. So there's something about the park walk. So, you know, the trainer in me says, well, don't take her. But it's kind of what I do, part of my life. So. Um, and the other part of you, which is the curious part of you, wants to find a solution to it. So... We don't settle, do we? Although it's kind of cool that she runs up me and jumps on my shoulder now, so that's kind of interesting. She's a cool little dog. <laughs> she is an amazing dog. How did we get to we this? Love, like, we love I don't know. We were talking about on lead and off lead, long lines. Frustration, long lines. Shiny things. Shiny, shiny things, things took us to legs. Yes. <laughs> and me being a shiny thing. So by proxy, yes, I have become thing. a shiny thing. Yes. Uh, I don't even have to do much, right? You don't. And, um, and we are nowhere near as shiny as you are. So any of the rest of us <laughs> who try and do something with your dogs in the park, we can do stuff, but they always have eyes on you. But you saw an example of that out with me yesterday. So we had a couple of dogs uh, come along who were really lovely, weren't they, the shepherds? So uh, the one I'm thinking of is the young... Um, she was a year old. She was quite a small, a slight shepherd. Yeah. Nicely put together. Um, and she's been going to the other training club in Dundee. Okay. Um, obviously doing really well. Um, he wanted to tidy up some recall because she's like super friendly with everybody and a wee bit like. Yeah, she was. Every time back. somebody went to hide behind a tree, she was the one that ran to them. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. And to be fair, if, if there's any problems in the world, you'd want that as a problem, right? Yes. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she was lovely. So, um, 
we used the collar a little bit to condition her to vibrate and you know have a bit of fun chasing her dad behind the trees and stuff and that was really nice and then the other one that came from far away they came from middle of Scotland somewhere um, and he's a year old too and she's put a lot of work in and both of those people by the way did you notice that they were kind of on the periphery training? They were. They always took their dog away when you were standing talking. Give, them, so give can... themselves a bit of space yep. and working and not letting their dog just stand and be bored. Yes. They were both brilliant at it. Yeah. And they had the most eye contact, the most yep. engagement. They also used their toys. Yep. So, you know, these are my kind of people to work with because, you know, they can do so much there. We're not fixing problems. We're just progressing them a little bit more. Love yep. it. Absolutely love it. I wish that more people would do that stuff but again it, I mean, you can appreciate the work that's been put into that point to get them to there yeah, where they it's are. a lot of work and a lot of people don't realize how much work it is and that's not what they want with their dog they want the end result not the ongoing constant work yeah because you know you just get a dog don't you but it's wonderful it's when you get it right it's wonderful when the work works out it's it's great for people like me to see it's pure joy when I see. But these people that came, the two that we're talking about, they they probably were still anxious. Mm -hmm. Not as anxious as the ones that were barking and lunging, but they were still anxious yeah. about being judged. Yeah, yeah. The dogs behaving, not looking like fools. Do you know what I mean? They still yeah. had that, even though we were like, yeah, that's But awesome. they're noticing the when the dog wasn't behaving rather than when the dog was behaving. Ah, uh, yes. You could tell both of them okay. were just quite embarrassed and anxious about their dog when it wasn't behaving okay. as opposed to realizing Look that what we're got. doing is going wow you're doing exactly what you need to do with that dog to get the best out of it it's all relative right so if we had 10 people there that all had dogs like that we would be judging the worst one out of them yes absolutely <laughs> but they they shined like stars because nobody else is putting that effort in these days so then again you know I'm, I'm comparing to our last shepherd day where actually it was supposed to be an advanced day to teach them how to train their toys I'd charge their toys up and um, pretty much none of the people that turned up had a dog of a level to be able to take that advanced training to, and it was chaos. It so was. this was way better than that and they were only here to do training. I know, interesting. Mm. Really interesting. But no, it worked out well. So anyway. Anyway, in, so in you're essence, a shiny thing. And shiny <laughs> well, things they were shiny important. things too. That's what they I'm were saying. shiny things to their dogs. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Be a shiny thing. Be a shiny thing. So my new motto. <laughs> and then, and, but what people do is they go, oh, I'm not that kind of person. I'm like, yeah, but you can be a shiny thing to your dog without being, you know, l let's both remember the guy that when you said run, just legged it full pelts across the park. And his dog's going, this is the most amazing experience ever running after that him. Was that was like a slightly unexpected. And he was like so enthusiastic. Was really Every time he ran away, the dog was just like, love it, love it. Can't, can't get enough of this. <laughs> um, but you know, we're not expecting that from people. What we're expecting them to do is when they call their dog back, be enthusiastic and give the dog a reason to want to come to you instead of do something like sniff another dog's butt. That's really interesting to your dog. You but need to be more interesting than the other dog's butt. If we're fighting Hollywood, which just assumes that when you get a dog, it's going to like you because you're special and yeah, yeah. you've got a bond. Yeah, and it's not. But sorry. No, it isn't. Well, it's, it might like you. I mean, there is, there's definitely some signs that dogs take to people and take against people just a natural thing. And that's different than having to listen to the person, right? That's different from that dog being obedient and following your rules and things like that. And I think that's, if people can get that in their mind, that's also important. It's not about whether the dog likes you or not. Yes. So that... Legs comes running up to me yeah. when I come to the park and it's lovely for me. It makes me feel really good. I've had a relationship with Legs since she was born. 
and I've never really had food for her. I've never trained her and given her treats. But when she sees me, she comes running up to the park and says hi. The other Probably do- a better kind of love than, than what I've got with her because, you know, I, I give her stuff. So I'm the giver of stuff, right? What's really interesting. It's a really pure kind of love. Is the other dogs go, huh, what's that person got? <laughs> right? So then all the other dogs join. So like Bonsai will come and go, give me a fuss. And um, Foxy was yesterday was like oh why are you interesting so she comes along and she's like give me a fuss so all the other dogs are thinking god that person must be like super shiny and they all come over and they're all really confused why legs is <laughs> doing this enthusiastic hello thing. there are a few trainers that are um not using food and have not used food yeah and i'm starting to become that way a little bit yeah i, think I saw your video a, about that so i think it was interesting there's a I, there's a little bit of a you know, it actually started with speaking to, he's going to love this, Maxwell Muir. He's a, a behaviorist and um, he's just joined the CFBA recently too, so that's cool. So he's in Scotland and, and Lothian, I think. And um, so he's a really interesting case because his parents were uh, gun dog people. So he's grown up with gun dogs. And he, we sat here for three hours chatting. That should have been a podcast. It was amazing. Um, so his his experience was, you know, don't touch the puppies. He remembers getting told off, yeah. um, touching the puppies because affection is the reward. The puppies right. get. They weren't trained with food, right? And uh, the gun dogs, right? Because food's not important. It's about you know relationship yep. and, and um, so he remembers that. And then he's gone completely force free. Um, I'm meeting so many trainers that we call them crossover trainers when they've gone from aversive to then positive. I don't feel like I've ever been a compulsion aversive trainer. Like I was one of the first. I was the first clicker trainer class in Dundee if not Scotland 20 yep. years ago like that was all I did clicker training you will teach everything on clicker training and uh, I wasn't happy with what I saw elsewhere and I went I'm gonna make my own right so um Maxwell is a crossover the other way so he's gone positive only force free everything like about calming signals and about um relationship you know that you know dogs in the wilderness living together everything's cool har- yep. harmony but then he's gone well hang on a second how does that apply to city dogs that don't have that ability to be normal because we've got quite a privilege don't we about mm-hmm. having dogs off leading the park and learning from each other there's a lot of places that you can't do that no and the owners you know have got the mentality of keep the dog on a lead and it's not here as well like yeah, yeah. You know, places in, in, in scotland too they don't have to do that but that's how their thinking is so you're looking at the time like t- yes, 10 minutes 10 minutes. 10 minutes yeah okay okay i'll make it quick <laughs> so um he's come to me and said i want to learn more about the e-collar and how we can use that and he likes the way i use it like yep. as not a punishment so um i forgot why we, why we talked about this i'm having like little pockets of yeah <laughs> my brain's not entirely uh, sharp just now either i know um... we're both really ill i can feel like my voice going to maybe nap now <laughs> so um Something about recall or... Oh, you're talking about not using food anymore. Not using food, yeah. And so coming from the gun dog, you know, training where they didn't do that, that was in my mind. And then there's other trainers that I've come across on Facebook not doing that. And then I've come from the horse world as well where where I was clicker training horses and I was using food all the time, but there's fallout with that. So the fallout with that is that they invented this thing where they would clicker train them behind a fence because they needed... um, I forgot what the term was, but they needed... um, a barrier because the horses will start to get kicky and bitey okay because of the food all the time right but that's not how horses work together that's not how dogs work together they don't feed each other right you know that's not how they their natural instinct but they do do things like touch and they definitely do a lot of body language so as you know I'm, i teach people 
body language and signals. Yep. You know, like I watched the video earlier there of that, that Shiva, and I'm thinking, you've just said sit six times, but you haven't given any body language yep. to in- indicate. And that's the first sense. Yeah. So that's like me saying in a foreign language for you to do something, and then wondering why you're not doing it, yep. and then finally going in your language, and then repeating it in the other language, and then you go, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So surely it should be about their language first, not what we want to achieve. So the ethical question is always um, allowing natural behaviors to occur. Where does commands come in? Where does my, where does the need for me to have you obey me come in? in? Like in a partnership, in a relationship, you don't want the partner to obey you, but sometimes they have to listen to you. Yeah. Yes. But then it works the other way too. You know, it's meeting their needs, right? Yeah. But I think the balance when we have a pet dog is that they need to follow your rules first. They're a perpetual child, so they, yeah, they always are going to have to have the, this yeah. is how the world works. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be, we it. know best for them, but there's also the compromise word of that they have to fit in to be able to live in our safely. society and live safely. But to do that whilst totally ignoring their welfare would be also wrong. So how do we find the right balance between having an animal that is an animal that lives in our household and follows yep. our and rules? and then bringing it back, if you were a new owner, so if you're a new owner right now and you're looking for a trainer and you've got the guy that does the Molosser stuff and the Caesar Milan type who's got yep. really good with the body language and can fix problems, but he doesn't understand what he's doing. He's just really good at it. He's got a natural yep. gift, if you like, yep. right? And then the trainers that have learned online, they've got all the theory, they've got what they think is science. Sorry, I'm trying to say that slowly and quietly. <laughs> Actual science. Um, how do you choose? Yeah. Because they're opposite ends of the spectrum, but neither of them's wrong. So you choose by results and you choose by what fits your way of thinking. Um, and then and you... that person resonates with you. Yeah, and it's rapport again at the end of the day. It's rapport that can be built by liking the way they are. So if you see somebody, so if somebody saw you kick one of your dogs because you got mad at them, you would lose most of your credibility, no matter how good your training was, no matter how well behaved your dogs were, we just assume that that's the way you've actually trained them. So, you know, walking the walk is also going to be kind of important. So if you've learned from an online course that you then apply rather than from a real person, you can't do the walk the walk thing. You've only got your own feedback loop. So that, that's a question we've discussed before, whether a trainer should have dogs that are good enough to be demonstrations of their work, or if it's okay for a trainer to have you know, a reactive dog, but also try and fix somebody else's reactivity. I think it's really, I think as a person choosing, I would be ranking higher what I saw that trainer be like with their dogs than I would the words that they were using to tell me what to do with other qualifications. Yeah. I, I think qualifications, I think, are a a base level but if I saw somebody who had no qualifications but had demonstrable results really well, who yeah. then spoke in a way that I could see demonstrable results with my dog then I wouldn't give a hoot about what their qualifications were or what other people said about them you know but if I then saw them act in a way that was contra to what they were telling me then I'd be like nah you're not the right person for me so yeah and, and- yeah, you've got your three levels then, don't you? You've got the, the qualifications of what you say you can do. Yes, which is probably the shop window. Yeah. Right? In most ways, unless you've got online presence, it's your shop window, which is yeah. how do I tell the difference between the 100 people I've got in front of me? I'd probably go with qualifications to be able to pick 
any one of those hundred people. Yeah. So what you say you've achieved to be able to you know, prove that you can do it. Yep. Then what you put out there as in, I'm, I'm telling you what I can do. Yeah. So I think I can do what I'm telling you I can do and then what I can actually do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, the action part, right? Yeah. And so when you, when you go first looking, you're either going to go, you're going to skip the, skip the queue and go to a referral. So you're going to see somebody you know who's worked with you, whose dog has seen is now good. And, and to be fair, I, I, when I'm thinking of other things, not dog training, like, you know, a joiner or something. Or therapy, I'm thinking the same thing. Right? Absolutely. I tend to go with my friend's referral. Right. Absolutely. So most people who, you know, at least 50% of my business, usually about 75% is referral. Somebody who's already benefited because it's such a risky thing to do. So it'll be the same with the dog training. Then if you don't know anybody to refer you to, then these days you're going to look for their online presence. You're going to look for evidence that you can get of their stuff. If you're still not getting anywhere in your area with somebody who's got that, then you're going to find somebody, a cold contact, and then you're going to go with qualifications, probably. You're going to look for somebody who's qualified. There are a lot of people that are, I'm, I'm noticing more than ever, I've been doing this 20 years, so I'm noticing more than ever, people are coming after being to quite a few, and recently they've been to quite a few e-collar trainers, and we're all doing it differently. Yes. But one of my little issues is that you're not sticking with one person and giving them questions. You're then jumping to the next one and then yeah. the next one. There's no feedback loop for the individual to yeah, know. Yeah, that's that, not necessarily yeah. you know a good thing. No, but you also have to bear in mind that the nature of you and what you do and the fact that you work with aggressive, reactive dogs is you're like me. We're the back end of what everybody else tries. People will try cheaper and quicker and easier first. We are often the last thing, but we are the last thing because people very rarely need to go anywhere else after us. We are the end. But I feel like if people have been to several already, they might just not take on board everything I'm saying too. So these days, I, I don't consider a person that's jumped around a lot to be me the last person. I'm likely to be another one they're going to yeah, jump to. Whereas so. I am usually the last person because who would think that You're what amazing. I do works? No one else does what you do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, if you listen to this and you don't have a dog, fair play on you. Well done. <laughs> don't get a German Shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> we'll speak to you again soon. <laughs>